0: If people did something as simple as a 5 or 10 minute walk, even up the block, 2-3 times a week, you will notice a different energy level in your day, no matter what time you start your day.
1: This is Richard Flint FM, the digital podcast dedicated to improving your life every single day. If I were to ask you, are you healthy, how would you answer? Most people would answer, well, I think so. I feel okay today, I don't have any serious issues, I guess I'm doing okay." We have become a health conscious country. Everywhere you look there is a health club with people working out and either getting in or staying in shape. Health has become a top priority for many, but do they really understand what it means to be healthy? Being healthy is so much more than having an exercise program that you do three times a week. Total health is about taking care of yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. It is about you making sure all of you is healthy. I have some extra pounds I need to shed. I talk to myself about it. I even bought a treadmill, and it sits in my living room. I can't go into that room without seeing it. I look at it, it looks at me. And we seem to have a mutual understanding. You don't turn me on, and I won't wear you out. Seems like a good agreement to me. Yet I know I should be using it. Like many of you, I get a yearly physical. For years, this has been a joke to me. You go to the doctor, they take your blood check your heart, and other parts of you, all in about five minutes. To me, that's not a physical. Today I have a different picture of what a physical is all about. It wasn't about taking care of me because I was sick. I want a physical that takes care of me and teaches me how to not get sick. My personal physician that I've had for years retired, and that meant I had to find another doctor who was about preventive medicine, not just about taking care of the sick. Because of that, I reconnected with Dr. Scott Becker. Scott, I'm so honored that you have the time to spend with us today. Well, Thank you, Richard. It's a tradition on this show that we share with people how you and I connected, because I'm a person who believes that no one walks into your life by accident. So how did you and I connect?
0: Well, Richard, I was expanding business in the mid-90s, and you were brought in as a speaker, which allowed us to focus on many of the principles in building businesses and expanding businesses. We connected on a personal note, and I began to read and absorb some of the material which you were building at that time. I paid attention to some of the subtleties of it, and over time I'd absorbed them, and I was able to use them most recently when I'm expanding business into a different area. We connected personally with the medical needs that you had, and we've grown tremendously in the last half a year, taking it on from there.
1: If someone was to ask you, who is Scott Becker, how would you answer that question?
0: Well, uh, that question has multiple layers, as we all know, Richard. It's kind of definitely a benefit that you connected recently, because for the first 20 years of my career, I was involved in the prevention of medicine from another area. I was involved in pediatric and adolescent medicine, and at that point, I was involved in taking care of children all the way up to the age of 18. Fortunately, you're just a couple of years above that. And so when we reconnected, I've now focused on the preventative aspects of health care in terms of adult and preventative in all areas of age-related illnesses.
1: Is that sort of a new concept today, the preventive side of medicine?
0: I think people have finally found the value in using what they need to know is not a solution which is a Band-Aid, but to prevent many areas which can break down at all times. And we all know at these particular times of our life, we have so many stresses from all areas that we're basically going to be bombarded on a daily basis for the rest of our lives. And so we need to take a little bit different approach. And I think that's found in a lot of the disillusionment that people have in their health care these days.
1: How long have you been practicing medicine?
0: Coming up on my 20th year.
1: Wow. So 20 years in the medical field. What are the major changes that you have seen over that time?
0: Well, I think it's dramatically been the economics of health care, where people are having, years ago, people were confined to a job because their health care insurance was not portable. So we would find parents that would stay in jobs way after their time of enjoyment because they had to have the insurance which would cover their children, and they'd need to cover themselves, and those insurance policies were not portable. As the policies became portable over the next five to ten years, we found that they were restricted as people tried to refine the economics and limit the economics of that care that we were all trying to maintain. I think what happened was people started to have very short period of time to access the physicians they become known to over the years, they become loyal to over the years, and I think the doctor-patient relationship has suffered greatly over the last five to 10 years.
1: Do you think a lot of people, as they became more aware, became more disappointed?
0: I believe so. I think the advent of information age that we've all had, whether it be the internet, people reading, people congregating at Barnes and Noble is more of a social phenomena. I think people have found that they can learn about the medical aspects of how they could care for themselves and how they can participate in their care.
1: Is this concept of, you know, proactive our medicine? Is this something new because of the generation that's coming up or is it just an awareness that's across the entire board?
0: I think we've seen an interface of the baby boomers coming into the next generation, where the Internet has hastened that information. And I think because it's available at all ages, children of all ages are now asking questions that they've never asked before. Things that were policies years ago that people were concerned with, whether it be drugs or alcohol issues, are now giving way to things such as stress, goals and careers, and all kinds of areas where people are going to want to focus on different parts of their lives from different places.
1: What has the TV series... Like ER and House and these others, what have they done to the concept of how people view medicine?
0: I think I think they've brought it into the uh, family itself, where people can relate because the stories these days are so real. They might have children involved in car accidents, in, in, incidents involved in terrorism, incidents involved in areas of the healthcare system, which faces all of us. And because they relate on all areas, from male, female, older, and younger, I think people have some connection with somebody during that series.
1: Do you think they're good?
0: I think it's a positive one. I think they're getting much more real. I think people are obviously seeing that there is validity to the medical areas that they're showing. I know as a medical physician in the emergency medicine field for almost 20 years as well, I've seen that they hold true to their story. And they use real life in real life situations.
1: When you and I first started talking about the possibility of us doing a couple of shows together, you said a couple of very interesting things to me. The first thing you said, which just grabbed me, most people associate health with pain. What do you mean by that?
0: I think people will avoid the physician's office because they feel that in order to get over the bridge, over the barrier, and become healthy, First, reasons that originate many, many years ago from many various areas. I feel that people come in with expectations of pain in order to improve, whether it be vaccines as a child, whether it be medications which don't taste well, whether it be a test or an exam or an evaluation which is uncomfortable, both personally and exposure-wise. I feel that people, for reasons, again, that I have not put my finger on, they have come across a barrier, if you will, and that barrier makes them feel like there must be something negative in order to move forward to a positive.
1: So so many people associate pain with a negative, not with a fact that this is a point of discovery that I need to pay attention to.
0: Exactly. And I can't tell you how many times a mom will say, well, this won't hurt a bit, rather than saying you're going to have to feel pain in order to know that you won't have an illness, which would cause you a lot worse condition and you might miss a lot more school, more importantly with your friends or an activity which you wanted to participate in. So once again, we've linked it with something that has to be of detrimental value.
1: That's interesting to me. If I'm fearful of pain, when I feel the pain and think I need to see the doctor, the pain could keep me from going.
0: Exactly, and how many times have we all heard of that reference when it comes to dentistry? People have avoided dentists for years because of that imagination of the pain that's associated with it. Now we have painless dentistry and all the other improvements which technology has brought our society.
1: See, and, and folks, as a listener, I think you need to really understand this that you don't need to fear the medical part of your health because of pain because pain is a symptom and tell me if i'm wrong scott where our body is telling us something
0: exactly and whether it be something as simple as belly pain or something like pain in an eardrum something in the throat these could be signs of something much more serious and that's nature's way of telling us we need to be aware because if we don't go now it could be a lot worse And I do believe that's what has hit our emergency rooms in the last 10 years, because people feel that they'll avoid this short little mild pain and wait, and all of a sudden that mild pain has become much more serious, and the illness has progressed to a dramatic fashion.
1: The second thing I found interesting was what you told me about your patients when they come to you. And you mentioned two things to me. The use of your term, unusual. What do you mean?
0: In terms of unusual, they come to me for unusual reasons these days. Um, they may come to me for something as simple as uh, I wasn't able to do good enough on my test and I'm worried I may not do better next year in school. So in that respect, they're finding out that there, there's stresses and there's different things that people come for, to the doctor for. And so you, d- you become almost like an old-fashioned Marcus Welby, if you will, for those of us who remember when Marcus Welby was a big phenomenon on TV, where you must listen for so many different areas The people are now coming for many, many, many different things and not just the routine sore throat, runny nose, or ear infection.
1: So does that mean that the doctor needs to be a better listener uh, rather than someone that has a patient count he needs to see each day?
0: Well, it's always been the, the, the priority of physicians that you must be the best listener in the room. But now you must take that listening ability, hone it to the finest skill that you can possibly utilize, and then you must wear several different hats, if you will, so that you can actually become the comforter, the person who has guidance in the areas of things that maybe somebody needs as far as decisions that are very important to them, and then, of course, the healer, which has traditionally for thousands of years been where the physician has found themselves. So you're actually going to take that listening ability and and play many, many roles. And this is something that I think physicians are finding a little more uncomfortable than uh, we signed up for, so to speak, years ago when we started our training.
1: And, and to me, that ties into the second thing that you tell patients. Don't go to the Internet.
0: Well, the Internet has been such a blessing for our world. It has connected people who may be uh, marooned in snowstorms. They may be isolated if they can't get out of beds for physical ailments. If you're an elder person who can't drive, it's connected society where we've never had that kind of connection and communication before. But just as the same as the benefits, and there's many, many more of those, are, are the negatives. And I find the Internet is a very, very scary place when it comes to medicine. It provides a little bit too much information for the feeding brain. It provides a little bit too many sources for somebody to go to. And in the hands of somebody who is not familiar with some of those areas, they can very quickly take a mild symptom and become petrified to the point of paralysis thinking the worst, when in reality, that's not what they were dealing with at all.
1: Have you had a patient, you know, that has gone to the internet and there's all these symptoms of something, they tell themselves, well, that, that's me, that's how I feel, oh, that's what my body is doing. And so when they come in, they're already overwhelmed emotionally because of what they have read that they think applies to them.
0: That's exactly right. And what happens is they'll take that little symptom and whether they're nervous about it or not, they'll ask everybody's opinion. <laughs> so now all of a sudden you have many, many relatives and many family tree members or family uh, tree roots who have now participated in that decision with nobody having experience, other than, of course, the mother, who's the original doctor of all uh, in our society. But what you may find is people are looking at the Internet for the answers because we're so time poor. And rather than take the time and get a quality decision, we're finding we're these impulsive decisions, and those are leading to some very, very drastic consequences
1: because that can be dangerous to your personal health.
0: Exactly. And once again, those are some of the things we see showing up in emergency rooms across the country, regardless of age, regardless of original illness, because they have to wait till the last minute thinking everything was okay. And when that dramatic turn occurs, then they're sometimes caught in a very urgent
1: situation. And I hope our listeners are hearing what you're saying because of the fact that sometimes if we read the information, we have the other side of that too. Well, I don't feel that way, so I guess I'm okay. This is just, um, something is just happening and it's nothing to be concerned about.
0: Exactly, and it falls into the categories of rationalization, um, justification, denial, all these areas which we sometimes attribute to more the psychological aspect of illness, but when in reality these are utilized in areas like this, they become real symptoms. And when you got a symptom of denial, it can basically lead somebody for many months, if not many years, with a condition that might have been alleviated or even improved so many years before. And that's kind of a sad and a very unfortunate part of the medical field, where we have people say, if only you would have come to me a couple of months back, we might have been able to figure this out a little bit easier. So the stress, once again, becomes a major factor in the person's course of their illness.
1: Well, and then I think that ties back into the first one about they associate it with pain and they don't listen to their body, because is it true, and and I believe this, that our body is smarter than we are sometimes?
0: I think nature who created the body is brilliant, and I think that has been something that never ceases to amaze me, is the brilliance of one child coming out normal with the first breath, and from there evolving into a speaking, talking, interacting person in our society and in a world we live in is something that is awed me since the very first day I looked
1: at the medical field. There are so many different views about health care. I mean, everywhere we look. I'd like to focus for a few minutes on the major health care mistakes people make. And you and I sat and we talked about this, and you listed uh, nine of them, and I think they're critically important. The nine common health mistakes that people make, number one that you told me, they think bad health is going to happen to everyone except them
0: everybody else's problem. It is not going to be mine. And that's just a a manner of our society as humans. I think this is a very, very common one. And by the way, Richard, these are in no particular order. Mm -hmm. So don't escalate or decrease them in terms of severity or in terms of acuity.
1: Good thought. Number two, procrastination in seeking care. Uh, no health insurance, uh, fear.
0: And when it comes to children, uh, parents have delayed care because of a copay issue or because of a financial issue or because of multiple children issues. And then, of course, the fear that they may say that they have to be out of work, which leads to financial stress, which leads to personal emotional turmoil, or maybe just the fact that nobody's there to watch the children when they're in work. So a lot of times a mother and father work alternating schedules because they have no external family member to help them. So procrastination leads to, once again, worsening illness, and this affects all strata society.
1: And then the third one, Scott, I can be my own doctor.
0: As we mentioned before about the Internet, I think that can be a blessing and a curse. I think people try and go on many of the large websites which have accurate information. Please um, understand that these are all meant to provide quality information, but there is so many different sources and so many different areas to draw from, but nothing can replace playing ball on the court of life and nothing can replace being able to hear different variations of one illness that I've seen almost for 20 years and that's the judgment process and that's the way people are healed and that is the place for a healer Um, and persons are trying to play an easy answer I think the place is after a physician directs them in an area that they need to learn more that's the perfect time to go looking for more information but not at all to play their own doctor.
1: So I'm a person, I feel there's something wrong. I've talked to everybody and they tell me what they think it is. So I go on the internet and I pull, up, I pull it up and I sit there and I read through all of it. And then I come to you and I explain to you what I think is wrong with me.
0: It can be uncomfortable for a lot of physicians that are in the just recently trained and just recently, excuse me, the just recently uh, practiced generation, have been out about 20, 25, 30 years. They'll find that uncomfortable because whereas they've spent years and years honing their skills, they've never been approached with somebody coming in armed with information and asking them for not their opinion, but asking them what they need to do now. So it's a very awkward position for a lot of physicians to be in. On the other hand, wireless medical records makes it a little bit uncomfortable for people to imagine and not touch what they are always used to putting together, which is the patient with symptoms, with a physical exam, and the care plan that they're about to discuss.
1: The next one you talked about with me was that they think they'll live forever.
0: I think this is one that we all knew from the ages of late childhood, early, middle, and late teenagers all the way into the 20s that as part of the development, we all know without a shadow of a doubt that we'll be living forever. As we get older, some of the dreams are a little bit shortened and a little bit watered down. We figure that there is real life experiences that have made that living forever now not the reality. And so in the early years, we think we will live forever unless we see what that blood pressure will do and unless we see what high cholesterol can do from an immediate relative or some significant person in our life. We don't, once again, think it's ever going to happen to us, which is back to number one we discussed.
1: And Scott, let me take this to one other level because I think it's really important. In my youth, I think I'm going to live forever. As I get older, I start working to achieve whatever it is I want to do with my life, but yet I'm probably still uncertain about what that means. And then as I start getting older, I start realizing I have probably wasted a lot of time in this thing called life. Now, if I come to the place where I start feeling that I've wasted my life, can that play with my health?
0: Absolutely, because these set in the areas uh, which might be known as a little bit of denial with depression, with not so much emotional stability as we might need at that point when we really need to be at the top of our game. And so what we find as these years go on, we're we're trading off things. And we may trade off that exercise time for that, well, I've gotta make sure I get the job that I needed to pay for all the educational needs for my children. Or I may have all these financial stressors. So once again, people are faced with realities that they never planned on. And out of the clear blue, they may be hit with an illness which none of us ever plan on, but just like somebody who ran a red light, these are things which happen in everybody's life every day of the week.
1: What about this attitude? Because I used to see this when I was on the church staff and when people were going to move into our retirement center, that I'm going to work real hard until I retire, and then I'll have time to play.
0: I think that has been changed dramatically, whether it be the recent increase in gas prices, whether, which has altered everybody's economic stability whether it be the home price market, which has gone dramatically down and altered some people's retirement plans, whether it be the idea that, in general, the financial picture that we all grew up with of somebody working for a firm for 30 or 40 years and then retiring is now not the reality. So people's plans have had to take a dramatic alteration. They've had to restructure themselves. And this is very uncomfortable times for people. And once again, it affects their health in all aspects from the head to the toe.
1: Okay, next one. And this one, I think, is a common, very, very common thing. If I eat well, exercise consistently, don't drink too much, don't smoke or don't smoke too much, I will be fine.
0: I think this is one of the ones that we've all grown up with once again. We're eating right just meant not eating that extra dessert or not eating too much chocolate. Well, eating well these days has found that processed foods has taken a tremendous toll on the insides of our um, stomachs, literally to the point where some of the toxins that are going in have caused earlier diagnosis of the cancers, the stresses of global warming with the greenhouse effects. And regardless of anybody's opinion of whether and to what degree that exists, there's no question that we've been more exposed to sun and its harmful rays which alters, once again, things inside which sometimes we can't even see. So what we grew up with was the adage of exercise and drinking and smoking being the the tripod of what it, it takes to possibly lead a good life. Well, once again, it's about goals and it's about the stresses that people are growing up with that right now never existed 15, 20 years ago. So I think the rules have changed, Richard, and I think people need to be aware that the rules have to be reinvestigated in how they apply to each individual person, couple, significant other, and family structure, and then ultimately a society.
1: And that also means that children need to be viewed differently.
0: Without question. And once again, I think it goes back to the the beginning when I was mentioning my 20 years has seen the changes from the typical stresses of uh, attempts or being approached with drugs, alcohol use and abuse, all the way to is there a safe home that you're going back to is a common question in the emergency room right now. Are your mom and dad treating you well, or is there something that's going on that you might, might want to talk about? And there's issues and stresses that I think the uh, world needs to be well, made aware of because they are affecting the children such an early age right now, and of course that provides the foundation for where they're going to end up in the school systems, and the alterations of our school systems are also being changed as we get into the uh, later part of the years.
1: The next one that you talked about, Technology and or my doctor will have all the answers for
0: me. I think uh, the most important thing for a physician to ever know is that is a great question. I will have to check on it and get back to you. For anybody to like to portray the idea that they know all the answers, uh, I think because medical information last I checked doubles approximately every 15 to 18 months. Its entire volume doubles. So if you can imagine even the last five or ten years how many times medical knowledge has changed, I don't know of a physician, even the most brilliant, who could know all the answers. And more importantly, the best thing a physician could know is their boundaries, what they don't know, and where they can ask for help. I think that is crucial for a physician to know that's a great question. Let me find some answers, and I'll get back to you.
1: Okay. Three more of these. If I just had enough money... I can afford to live.
0: I think expounding on that when it, it says afford to live would, might also mean afford to take another vacation or two, afford to spend more time with our children, afford to take a day off or two just for ourselves because I don't believe anybody gives themselves enough quiet time. And so we have this link that it requires a certain amount of money in order to go on a picnic, in order to watch a sunset. And I think it's a disillusioned uh, idea. It's a, it's a, once again, needs to be reframed because money, without question, in our country affords you a status of health and affords you access to that health. But there are basics which will allow you to live a healthier life. And I think that's what fundamentally we need to drive home here, which is the idea that you can live healthy without the monetary access that people are referring to just by how you conduct yourselves in your daily life.
1: Okay, number eight expectations of medical care not met by the doctor. And, Scott, we have about two minutes left to cover this and one more.
0: I I think the expectations of medical care, uh, once again, I think the rules are just changing too fast that um, if people are not comfortable with one opinion, my suggestion is to find another because that's a very, very difficult thing is to try and get multiple opinions and decide which one's right.
1: Okay, and then the ninth one. It's an easy road to stay healthy.
0: I don't know about an easy road. I think it's one that we have to be conscious and aware of. I think it's one just like with all other goals we need to plan on. And I think it's a road that we need to all be much more aware of in how we can become involved with, whether it be through programs like yourself, which I'm very, very grateful, and I appreciate you offering this available to people.
1: If you were to look at one of these nine and pick what you see as the biggest mistake people make, could you do that?
0: I think it lies in the area of... of between numbers one and four, which is that they think they're going to live forever and nothing's ever bad going to happen to me because they don't see tangible evidence of illness unless it's their their family, their immediate significant other who was involved in it. And I think that form of reality is something that's very difficult to put a finger on.
1: What I used to find on the church staff in counseling is that if when one immediate family member or someone close got sick, it was like a wake-up call for everybody around them.
0: Very much so. And I think that's unfortunately the only safe net or safety net that we all use these days, oh, now I know exactly what to watch out for. And that reality only lasts for a very short period of time, and we're back to our status quo of what may be a complacency that none of us can afford.
1: Scott, in the time that we have left, talk to me about a realistic definition of what it means to be healthy.
0: I think it starts with ourselves. I think we must take responsibility for our own actions as well as our own health. And that health can be involved, divided into several areas, a couple that are important to me. Quiet time. Pay yourself first, just like they say in some of the savings and financial planning books. Give yourself quiet time so you are good to yourself. By the same token, a hobby time. Practice what you enjoy, whether it be outdoors walking on a brisk, cool day up north or where it be, whether it be sitting at the beach down in sunny, hot South Florida. All of these are time where you can take your brain and go on your own vacation. Family time, I think this is the foundation of anybody who's involved with children.
1: Scott, and let me, me know what you, interrupt you Ryan, for one second. Please. How many times in the emergency room did you deal with children whose uh, physicalness was really attached to some emotional aspect of family?
0: As far as the unity or dis- disunity of uh-huh. family, Correct. all the time. Uh, whether it be a separated spouse or whether it be a single parent who was juggling literally one to two to three children at the same time, it affected the balance and well-being of any of the aged children involved. That family time was not quality family time. It was chaotic family time.
1: And then the, the creative time.
0: Creative time is create with what you like to do best. For me, it's creative writing. It's sometimes listening to music and putting your own jingles to some tunes, which all of us do with various ways of iPods these days or uh, various sound accessibilities. So uh, taking time to, once again, pay yourself. Pay yourself that you deserve to be the best you you can be, and the best way to start that is to be good to yourself.
1: All right, so number one is you start by taking care of yourself. What's number two?
0: Number two is you have to understand uh, what's coming inside your body. And I think for years we assume that if we go to the grocery stores and we go to the markets that we're getting something that's healthy inside our body. I think it's time for people to become a lot more aware of what is going into their body, whether it be organic, whether it be vegetables, whether you like them or not, whether it be exposures such as things of sun, cell phones, which is always a volatile area of whether they are or are not causing radiation exposure, toxins of various types, even up to the water that we drink, wherever you may live. The environment for your children, for yourself, and for your family. Who are you hanging out with? What are you bringing into your body when you say you're hanging out with negative people at work? What are you bringing into your body when you're always worried? Is somebody going to say, I did a bad thing, or are they going to support me and acknowledge me? What are we reading? Are we reading positive books? Can we sit at Barnes & Noble or some other outlet store that we can do for hours on end and just absorb, making ourselves better? from the inside out, and I think this is the foundation of some of that stress that we were beginning to talk about. Correct. What are the results of our surroundings? Once again, whether it be who we are working with, who we are friends with, who we expose ourselves to, all are going to affect the insides and the outsides of our body. And last but not least, are you involved in something that you're passionate about, or are you passing the time for a paycheck, as Richard and I have spoke of many, many times over the years?
1: Okay, number three.
0: Number three is uh, thinking that we could modify our health By information that is very acute. What is the newest fad? What is the newest way? And nowadays we're finding out that things that have been around for tens and hundreds and thousands of years have reasons for being around for tens and hundreds and thousands of years. Things from the eastern areas of philosophy, acupuncture, meditation, yoga, silence, the one-minute manager series which we've all heard about. How long is it to say that you don't have any time during the day? How long have we said I don't have any time, but I can take one minute for myself. Things that are stable parts of our world for years and years.
1: Yeah, this was the reason that I created the Morning Minute, where every morning people can open up their computer and come face-to-face with me for one minute. And it is a minute of silence. It's a minute of reflection. It's a minute of preparation. And that one minute can become very powerful. If
0: people did something as simple as a 5- or 10-minute walk, even up the block, 2-3 times a week, you will notice a different energy level in your, be- in your day, no matter what time you start your day.
1: All right, what about number four?
0: Number four is the idea that medical knowledge is not necessarily what we're accustomed to having because these days, again, medical knowledge could be reading labels. Medical knowledge could be going on the Internet, listening to shows such as this, getting together at speaking engagements, such as the ones that I do locally in the South Florida area, attending lectures, which are always being given at various levels by physicians these days, both to promote new clients as well as to inform their, their public so that they don't have as many questions at 3 o'clock in the morning, and you do have less calls as a physician.
1: So it really comes back down to really the, basically the first one, taking care of yourself.
0: Exactly. I think um, when we have hurricanes, I think we've heard many times it's our responsibility to take care of us until the help can get here. I think this is a good time to put that analogy into effect. Take care of ourselves until the illness hopefully will never get there, and hopefully we don't need as many physicians to help us when they do.
1: Now, this discussion that Scott and I are having today, we're actually going to continue, and we're going to talk about what I think is one of the largest areas today that we need to be concerned about, and that's about what stress is doing to us. Scott, what is stress doing to the human life today?
0: I think we do not imagine the word stress being so much of an effect of our lives. And I think it's going to enlighten many and many of our listeners to that reason, to to the various areas that we're talking about, whether it be medical, personal, interpersonal, society, something as simple as road rage all the way to something as simple as volatile stress and anger patterns. All these are stressors. Stress can be good, as we've discussed, but stress can be a very, very hidden killer, and it's something that uh, we all need to be aware of.
1: I'm Richard Flint. I'm glad you could join us today. I look forward to seeing you and hearing from you. So find something that makes you smile. And in that smile, enjoy your day.